0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Um, Jeff was going to go hunting, so I was going to fill in for him, but the weather wasn't nice, So, but I'm still filling in. So uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to get up and share a few things that... Um, I feel uh, God has um, given me the opportunity to work through myself and uh, to explore and to be able to hopefully pass some of that on to you, and hopefully some of you will benefit from it as well. Um, I picked this video because it reminds me of the fact of what Jesus came to bring to us. And, um, you know, uh, Jesus said "The the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and to give it to you in the fullest or in abundance. And um, and it also reminds me that Jesus came because we were perishing. And I don't know that we uh, connect a lot of times with the reality of the fact that without Christ, we are perishing. And, uh, and the significance of perishing. You know, I think a lot of times Satan wants to kind of entertain us and dazzle us with all kinds of uh, worldly things and comforts that help us to not be in touch with the fact that we are perishing without Jesus. And, uh, and so, you know, it's a, it's a significant thing, obviously, that Jesus came to save us and a lot of times when we think about saving, being saved, we think of being saved for a life beyond this. And certainly that is an important part of what Jesus came to do. But he also came to save us from even greater things to the point that in this life that we can know abundance, that we can know the abundant life, even in the midst of a decaying and perishing world. And so the question that I have for each of us today is, are you living a life of abundance? Is your life abundant today? And if it's not, then what is it that's standing in the way of us having that abundant life? Because I believe most of us, if not all of us in this room already know that Jesus is our savior, you know, our savior for eternal life. But in order for us to live a life of abundance, what more is Jesus wanting to save us from? What more salvation have we yet to receive? Um, There are a variety of things which can contribute to our condition of a lack of abundance, um, but we don't have to look far in God's word to discover the likely location of our problem. It is none other than the center of everything concerning us. It is in the heart. And there's all kinds of verses that talk about the heart in the Bible, obviously. But here are just a few of them from Matthew. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And uh, another really powerful one from Matthew 13. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And in that same chapter, we have the parable of the sower. And uh, we're familiar maybe with the parable of the sower of the seed and the different types of soil that the seed fell upon. Uh, there, was the, um, there was the hard soil, the stony soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. Four options, and only one of them was ideal. And, uh, and so if we compare that parable to the condition of our heart, the soil of our heart, then I think that we are going to really make progress in maybe getting and pinpointing what some of the barriers are to us experiencing that greater abundance that Jesus was wanting to bring to us in connecting with where is the soil of my heart in receiving all that Jesus is wanting to bring into my life. These scriptures and many others direct our attention to the health of our heart. And yet it would seem that the heart itself gets very little attention. We're very outward focused. And maybe it's because the heart is so personal. Maybe it's because the heart is so mysterious. You know, it's hard to even identify, you know, obviously we're not talking about the physical heart. We're talking about the spiritual heart. We're talking about our soul that spiritual aspect of us that lives for eternity. You know, the body's not gonna live for eternity. Our physical heart is not gonna live for eternity, but the soul, the essence of who we are is gonna live for eternity. That is our heart that we're talking about. I know the easiest way for me to break through the mystery of the heart is to read God's word because... He's always getting to the heart. That's what Jesus was wrestling with the religious people because they weren't coming to God from their heart. They were coming to God through their their doing versus their being. And uh, so God is always pointing to the heart throughout the word of God. And God reveals and breaks through that mystery of the heart. And we are able to begin to pinpoint what it is what it's for, what its condition is, and what we need to do with it. We will come to know the health of our heart as we study God's word and live out our relationship with God day by day, as we choose to be accountable for our feelings, our reactions, the chatter in our heads, the pain and the sorrow in our hearts, allowing God to speak to every hidden detail of the essence of who we are then we're moving towards that good soil that is able to experience God in that deeper place, that deeper place that really is the life source of who we are and what we do and how we live. Needless to say, that is a really big topic to talk about this morning, but I'm going to focus in on three specific ailments of the heart that can get in the way of the abundant life Jesus has saved us for. First of all, I believe one of the most foundational ailments of the heart is when the heart is broken, when we become brokenhearted. Jesus said, the Father has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Many broken hearts have remained broken You can receive Jesus as your savior and and put your faith in him, but he came to heal your broken heart. So how have you experienced Jesus healing your broken heart? Many of us have hurts that have never received the comfort of a father, much less the father. Whether the brokenness has come through the adulting years or has been carried from childhood into our futures, brokenness abounds in this fallen world where the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The saying says that sin takes us farther than we wanted to go and keeps us longer than we wanted to stay, but I believe that brokenness does the same thing. God created us with a need for a higher kind of love than what can be found in the world only his love will satisfy and until we are able to receive that love and keep on receiving that love in the way we were designed our hearts will be broken and remain broken only jesus can heal the brokenhearted only the people we are closest to have the power to break our hearts the people that we've entrusted ourselves to or depended upon or needed in some way in our life. And the ways that they fall short in what for our heart are significant, it breaks our heart. And, and people do fall short, as do we fall short, towards those who depend and entrust themselves to us. It's kind of a mutual thing that just happens, and nobody intends to break the heart of another person. Usually, uh, it's just a it's just a reality of what it is to live in this world and to be people who were born into sinfulness. I remember uh, what I recollect as the first time I would identify as a time that um, I experienced a broken heart was when I was probably about six years old, and. Uh, I, we, we lived in an apartment. I remember I was sitting in the kitchen at the table, and my mom and dad were in the room, and I was crying again about something. I know I was a very emotional child, which I assume was a combination of natural and just being, in, just being insecure in this world. Um, but I don't know what I was crying about. But my mother really had trouble with emotion, and I realize that now. And at that moment, though, she was very frustrated, and it may not have all been about me, but it was expressed to be about me. And she looked at my dad and she said, she is crying again. And it was like one of those moments where it's just kind of like ingrained in you. And uh, I my heart made many notes <laughs> about what would the future look like for me when it came to my crying and my emotions and, uh, and what it was that my heart needed to do to alter itself in order to not make my mom so angry and agitated. And so that was one example that maybe it helps you think of some examples in your life where there was those moments. And now, of course, as an adult, I can have um, a little more um, objectivity, and I can understand my mother more, adult to adult, as far as some of the emotional um, brokenness that she had in her life that would cause her to, be insensitive, and for her, I'm sure if I had the opportunity to ask her if she even remembered that day, I'm sure she did not, but it was a day that I would never forget. And, uh, and part of that, too, is just the way the enemy is working to turn each other against each other, to wound each other, and to take it and see how f- much further he can take it by helping bring it to our attention and to uh, a greater level of intensity, I think, in our hearts. There's a scripture that says that God turns the hearts of the children towards their fathers. And I think, okay, who turned the hearts of the children away from their fathers? So there's a war going on, and you are the prize and um, and especially in the hearts of children, I think you know that war is even more intense um, in ways that a child can't verbalize and express and work through. so there are a lot of childhood wounds and brokenness that we bring into adulthood that we can't work through until adulthood because we're we're not able to verbalize them and and recognize their significance or or have that perspective of all those elements that are at work. And that's where, you know, God brings us to a place of security in him to be able to then have a safe place to look at these things and allow him to come in and bring healing. C.S. Lewis described the effects of his wife's death on his heart as the door closing and the lock being double, double bolted in other words, that deep pain of losing this woman that he very much treasured in his heart um, that it, and, and just you know the verbiage he used to describe the impact it had on his heart. Um, the pain of this world can't help but to threaten to overcome our hearts. But Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. When we bind ourselves with Christ and stay bound in every way, in every circumstance, through every storm, we too will have the strength to overcome and not just be survivors, but to live an abundant life. I just recently um, finished a master's in pastoral counseling. And uh, one of the, um, things that caught my attention was a very seasoned counselor who said that he, he believed that 80% of the people who really struggle with depression um, would be freed from depression if they went through, if they were able to grieve their losses, and that we all experience a lot of losses in life. And we don't grieve them. We just keep moving forward, move forward, move forward. And we just kind of stuff it and stuff it and stuff it. And these losses accumulate in our hearts. And God's justice, I believe, requires that all injustices be grieved or they, or they will not be um, I don't know the right words, but I just think that they, they, they've gotta be grieved in order for them, uh, for God's righteousness to be fulfilled. So uh, the, the losses that you experience are not insignificant, and they're not insignificant to God. And until you take time to acknowledge your loss and allow God to come in and to come into agreement with the significance of your loss, and to uh, grieve that with you, you you're not going to get the comfort that that loss requires, and uh, and so after a while, it's going to wear you down, and you're you're not going to be able to soar. You're not going to have abundance in your life um, because you haven't taken the time to grieve and acknowledge the significance of what you've lost. A second, um, one of the significant heart ailments which can come from a broken heart, the second one I wanted to talk about um, and keep us from an abundant life is the problem of fear and anxiety. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Um, You know, and so there's that phrase do not let your hearts be troubled. So there's, there's a choice that we have in the midst of all of that. Fear and anxiety became a part of our fallen nature in the very beginning. Think back to Adam and Eve, and we know they sinned, but what's the first thing that came on the back of sin? Fear and anxiety and uh, a lack of security. Because immediately, Adam and Eve, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked and they covered themselves up so already there's a fear and anxiety that came in their relationship with each other and it said and then they heard god coming and walking through the garden i mean i mean look what they had you know was to be in the garden and be able to hear god walking in their midst. So they hear God walking in their midst, and, and what's the first thing that happens? They're afraid and they hid from God. So, you know, I think about being born into fear and anxiety. We all, all are born into this fear and anxiety. And um, uh, last week um, in the prayer time, Jeff uh, mentioned a yoke. And um, I don't know if everyone knows what a yoke is, but this picture is a yoke. And uh, a yoke is used to um, connect two ox or whatever type of animal they're using to work in the fields, to connect them together to each other so that they, they, they can work together. They work side by side. Uh, they're joined together. They're unified. And um, you know, and so Jesus invites us to, uh, to, to come out from under a heavy yoke that is not the yoke that he designed for us to carry and to walk under or to be yoked to things other than him and to come and join with him and be yoked with him for his burden is light and his yoke is easy um, because we were designed for that yoke. So we're, we're ready to, to be a part of that yoke. But any other yoke, you're not designed for that kind of a yoke. And definitely fear and anxiety is a yoke that we were not designed to have to carry. And uh, so, as I was thinking about being born into fear and anxiety, I know that's something i become more and more aware of, that I really do have a lot of anxiety. I know how to be calm and cool and just um, relax. And part of it is kind of a mind game that we play, where we learn not to think about certain things. And, but that doesn't make them go away. And there is a need to think upon higher things but there are things that we do need to work through and they don't just go away because you're not thinking about them. And so these fear, and, and part of that is a control against fear and anxiety versus a deliverance from fear and anxiety. Um, so, so just that need to quit participating with fear and anxiety and, uh, and, and to come out from under that yoke and to come under that yoke with Christ, that place where I put my trust in you, God. You are the one who provides for me. You are the one who loves me. You are the one who calls me your own. You are the one who has plans and purposes for me. You are the one who wastes nothing in my life, no matter how bad it is. Uh, You will take it and use it for good in some way. You are the one who comforts me. You are the one who has my ultimate destiny in your hands. I mean, there's so many things that God has promised us that we, we come out from under the yoke of fear and worry and anxiety, and we come into this relationship with God. And part of me needs to repent for participating with that fear and that anxiety that I was born into by being born into this world, by being born into sin, um, and uh, and to realize how how deeply ingrained that is, you know, all the way back to Adam and Eve, and uh, and so I, I it takes a lot to really come under that yoke and stay in that yoke with Jesus. Um, to keep surrendering myself over and over again in trust to him. And, uh, and I believe it can become something that just becomes a natural part of how you live your life. Um, the, the third one that I, the third ailment I wanted to talk about today is um, an angry heart. There's a logical progression from a broken heart that then becomes fearful and anxious, and then eventually becomes angry. And uh, um, there's uh, Ephesians 4 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil." It is one thing to have anger towards injustice or unrighteousness, but it's another thing to be a person with an angry heart. Impatience, intolerance, irritation, being on the edge, having the capacity to rage. For such a person, anger has become a state of being. And uh, I did have a a significant person in my life growing up who who had an angry heart. And she very much controlled the atmosphere. And, uh, and I watched as um, people around her worked hard to uh, keep her anger at bay. And, uh, and they became very focused on um, making sure to keep her temperature down, her anger temperature down, because uh, it would be very unpleasant if the temperature went up. And uh, so there was a lot of effort to do that. And, uh, but as I grew older and learned more about her, you know, I realized that her angry heart was the result of a broken heart and, uh, and, and one that she had never experienced healing for. And, um, and with that, I saw that she also had a lot of fear and anxiety. And the only way to counter that And to not be overwhelmed by that was to become angry, to become bigger than the fear and the anxiety. And so there's just this progression that happens one after another, and that's what happens when we don't experience that healing of the broken heart that we have. It will just continue to grow into bigger and greater things because we're so potentially overwhelmed that we have to fight back. Jesus was angry on at least one identifiable moment, and there are a couple of other passages I read too about where he was angry about something, but he did not have an angry heart. Getting angry doesn't have to be sinful or inappropriate or consuming, but for many people it is. When anger becomes a common emotion for us, a way to distance, us our, to distance ourselves from vulnerability, We have crossed over from a righteous anger to a heart that is dependent on anger to one degree or another. Our experience of the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us will be seriously impaired if we are partnering, yoking ourselves with anger. So all of these conditions, uh, when inevitably unattended to, will lead to varying degrees of what the Bible speaks of as a hardened heart, resistant to God and resistant to others. And uh, some of the characteristics, I believe, of a broken heart is that resistance, um, that resistance to one another, to, to God, um, a distrustfulness. Uh, a loneliness, a sense of being stuck um, in our relationships. Um, and uh, and so as I was thinking about the hardened heart, you know, it really helped me be aware of the ways that I have functioned with a hardened heart. And definitely the hardened heart is established through these kinds of things that we talked about this morning. Um, but a hardened heart is guarded, it's protected, it's... Um, it, it it thinks that it's uh, keeping itself safe, um, but at the same time, um, it may be keeping itself safe in some regards, but at the same time, it's keeping itself away from the abundant life, the abundant life that God has for us, the life of love, the life of um, being able to even be free to be faithful to God. I mean, God calls us to love other people, but if we're guarding ourselves from other people, you can't love other people at the same time because you're not involved in their life enough to love them. You know, So if you don't let people be involved in your life, you're not going to be in theirs. And uh, so there's a lot of ways that I think we can begin to kind of sense when we've entered into a hardened heart place. And uh, I think as you begin to connect with what does that feel like in me, what does that look like in me when I am functioning with a hardened heart, you can begin to be more aware and sensitive to when some, something's going on in you that needs attention. We are reminded in First John 14 that Jesus... Um, said do not let your hearts be troubled once again just that you're letting it happen and uh, even the verses about fear do not fear we hear that from God over and over again so there's a choice we have to make about okay are you going to guard up are you going to wall up are you going to start protecting are you going to start pulling in and pulling back you know without God you probably need to I mean, or you probably will. I don't know how you can do it without him. You know, only he provides you the safety that you need in order to be able to take risks. You know, when I have that assurance and that intimacy and that bonding and yoking with Jesus, there's no field that can't be plowed. You know, there's no task that can't be accomplished. There's no risk that can't be taken if he's leading me into it. Um, he will guard me. And even if bad things happen, he will use it for good. And we see that in scripture over and over again for how God used bad circumstances for good in the lives of those who trusted him and were living for his purposes and not their own. Um, In Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart For everything you do flows from it. And a lot of times, you know, those of us who are already on the guard (laughs) think it's about that kind of guarding. That God doesn't want you to guard your heart to protect yourself from everybody and everything. He wants you to guard your heart to protect it for the soil to be the good soil. So you need to guard the quality of your heart. To guard the quality of the soil of your heart so that you can receive all that God is wanting to do in your heart and through your heart um, for others. Another uh, powerful verse is uh, 2 Corinthians 4. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That verse can say a lot of things, but when you carry the death of Jesus in your body, I would say that we are carrying that ultimate love God has demonstrated for us. So you you carry the ultimate love that your heart has needed all along. You carry it in your body. So you already have an identity of being loved. So you're no longer really that vulnerable to other people. So when, when they don't love you, when they fall short, when they hurt you, you're still standing strong because you ultimately have the ultimate love you were designed to receive. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't grieve those moments. But you don't have to be fearful of them happening to the point that you don't engage with people enough that they don't ever happen. So so when we when we have and carry that in us. So that's why um, we're not crushed and we're not in despair and we're not abandoned and we're not destroyed because we carry that healing power that God has brought to heal the brokenhearted and and to uh, satisfy the longings and the needs of the heart for love. So in summary, I had uh, three key things that helped me work towards a greater abundant life and a healed heart of which I'm always feeling like I'm kind of still at the beginning of. <laughs> There's just because you just keep learning more and more. But at the same time, I know that I've worked through a lot of hurt in my life and I have a lightness about those things that I never had before, you know, just the one that I shared with you as well as others. But unfortunately in this life, hurt continues to happen and uh, beginning to discover the approach to working through your hurt, I think, uh, and beginning to apply it to your life it helps you to keep step of it so that it doesn't, so you don't get buried under it, or at least not buried under it as long as you used to. And uh, so I know for me, the first one is to be able to share it. You know, as a child, that's what you couldn't do because you didn't have the words or the people that were hurting you were your parents. I mean, who do you go to um, and how do you verbalize or how do you even realize that there's something to share? You just think it's normal. Um, so, But as you, as you are an adult now, you need to be able to share those things and acknowledge their significance and, um, and confess those things out, those losses, that pain, those wounds. And you need to share it with God and, I believe, with another person who is able to um, affirm God's love for you in that. And so you wouldn't share it with just anybody, but somebody who really had a heart to listen and to care. And I know one time I did that with my sister as I worked through um, some um, feelings of abandonment that I had with my mom. My mom died uh, 20 years ago. So um, my, my siblings kind of uh, unconsciously moved up to the position Of representing my mom which I discovered and uh, and so I realized some of those feelings of abandonment I had passed on and anyway so I was able to share that with my sister as I came to realize that and she was able to listen and care and show compassion and after I shared that with her um, God used that to just lift that off me and it was no longer a problem anymore You know, and that's the thing. Your head's trying to catch up with your heart. Your heart knows what's going on. Your head doesn't. And it takes a while for the head to catch up. And uh, so then when you can get that processed and out, it's like it's freedom. It's moving towards that abundance that God has for you. And then also ways that we've participated with fear and anxiety and brokenness and uh, hardened hearts, you know, to repent, even if it was obviously out of ignorance that you didn't consciously choose that, but the devil was pulling you into that and you were participating. And by just cutting things off with him, you repent from it. I, I repent. I'm not participating with that anymore. And it's kind of a way of making that declaration for yourself and to the enemy, and and to align yourself with God and say, "I am done with that. I am not participating with that. I repent." Please, uh, thank you, God, for forgiving me for that. And um, and then. Uh, So I think that's another important thing that has to happen sometimes, or even in your day-to-day life as fear and anxiety comes in. Say, no, I repent, I'm not participating with that. And then um, just participating with God's ongoing work and direction for your life by keeping yourself yoked to God. I think the yoke is a powerful illustration, and you can tell. Do you feel like you're yoked to Jesus? I mean, is that where you're feeling yoked today, <laughs> or are you feeling yoked to something else? And so I just think that's a really powerful illustration. Which maybe that's why Jesus picked it, um, so that we can kind of see where am I yoked right now? You know, what am I being yoked with right now? And is that where I want to be? And and to be able to, be able to kind of uh, spiritually. And almost uh, in your mind physically, imagine yourself coming out from one and coming under another. And there is that choice. What are you yoking yourself with? So where do I want to be today? Where do I want to be yoked today? Where's God calling me to be yoked today? And, um, and it's always in the same place. But is that where I'm at? So I would just... Um, Uh, welcome any of you if uh, you have some things that you know are things that you need to be able to to share and experience God healing your broken heart in some way Um, and that's men and women we all have hearts that God's given us and they all break and um, you know I think it is harder for men because unfortunately women we're we're there's kind of this sense about sharing, you know, we, we're, we're big sharers. <laughs> if you didn't notice that and we share too much sometimes maybe, But, um, but I think unfortunately, <laughs> I think unfortunately for men, there's not that freedom in our culture, but once again, are you yoking yourself to the culture or are you yoking yourself to Jesus? You know, and once again, we have to break free from our cultural environment, which was not created by God. It's created by the enemy uh, to lock us out of the abundant life God has for us. So we've got, once again, it requires vulnerability and it, not with just anybody, you, you know, just pray and ask God, who, who can I share with? And just ask them if you can share something, if you could take a few moments to share something with them that you really feel you need to get out and you need someone to hear um, and then to pray with you. And, and so just invite them to do that with you and to, and to express that, that situation to them that has been haunting you or been heavy on you um, whatever God's bringing to the surface, trust that he's bringing it and he will bring a way forth for that to come and to be expelled from your heart so that you can be free from it. So um, so I'm just gonna close in a prayer and if anybody, of course, um, has any prayer needs, uh, we're here after the service. Uh, anybody that you know here that you feel comfortable with, to um, pray with you for whatever it is, whether it's for you or for somebody that you know that you can see needs uh, the healing of the broken heart that Jesus came to bring. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love for each one of us that is beyond and above our, our mental understanding. And uh, we just pray, Father, that you'll continue to work the soil of our hearts and help our hearts, Lord, to be free from all the things that have come into it because of sin and brokenness, because of separation from you. Um, And uh, we know, Lord, that you want each of us to experience that freedom, not just in the life to come, but that you have so much more freedom for us even in this life. For us to be able to yield ourselves more fully to you and to break free from all of the snares that the enemy has placed into our life that keep us from experiencing that abundance. So I pray that whatever each one of us recognizes is a snare that the enemy has put into our life, Lord, we pray that you will give us the courage and the strength and the path to be able to experience the freedom from that. We thank you that you don't give quick and easy answers and expect some immediate stepping into place, but you see and you created us to be very significant people who are created in your image, and there's a lot of different depths and significances to the things that we experience in life that we don't even realize and don't really know what to do with a lot of times. So we thank you that you give us the wisdom and you give us the direction and you give us the faith and the courage and you ultimately give us the safety to be able to address those things. Safety that we could never find anywhere else in this life uh, to the degree that you give us. And so we thank you that in you we are safe that we have a home, that we are loved with a love that um, is not deficient in any way and that is completely dependable and reliable, and that in that safety that you want to heal us and enable us to continue to be able to grow in our ability to receive from you. So we just thank you and praise you for all the abundance that we have in you. And uh, we pray that we will continue to grow more and more in your likeness so that we can fulfill your purposes and plans for our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please.